How do you like that chair over there? There's a story about the chair. Um, every Sunday morning before the service, Dean and I go into that other room, and others join me, but we go in there and we pray for the service, and Dean loves that chair right there. And he wasn't very happy when I pulled that chair out here, and he has to sit in a different one in there. So I said to him, if he comes up and sits in the chair, there's one qualification. You've got to talk about how Jesus has changed your life. And that's what the chair is going to be for through this whole Lenten season, is we're going to have people every Sunday who are going to sit in the chair, and they're going to tell you how Jesus has transformed and changed their life. Changed to be changed. And I'm the first one. But I'm not going to do it until my sermon is done. And then I will sit in the chair, not Dean, and I will share with you how Jesus changed my life. But first we want to look at Prelude to Change, a Lenten journey together. And I want to say that Easter is the day the universe changed. Easter. God died to restore a fallen race to himself, and having restored them, he transformed them. Our Lenten journey will be heightened by exploring the stories of transformation in John's gospel. And the question for us is, are we ready? Are we ready for a very, very meaningful journey? I don't know about you, but I am. I'm ready for a journey that we can journey through this Lenten season and find the meaning that's there in John's gospel as it relates to change. Let's pray. Father, we've already sung songs that, that focus on you. Father, your glory and your greatness, and we've heard the scripture read this morning. Father, it's so foundational to understand who you are and who your son is. So, Father, as we navigate through these weeks, Father, we need your presence. We need your presence here, but, Father, we need your presence as we are on the journey, the journey of life, as we journey together with you. Amen. Bruce Grenz, it's really an interesting name, Zen Goda, has written a series on change. And we're using a little bit of his format as we go through this Lenten season, just to let you know he's written on change. And our study this Lenten season will be bookend between two powerful passages of Scripture. John 1, where we explore today, which sets the foundation for the transformation of the various people we will look at this Lenten season. And at the end of John's Gospel, we have chapter 21. It's recording, of course, the historical event of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. And so in between there, we see lives of people. Lives of people that were transformed in their encounter with Christ. And this morning, I want us to look and explore John 1, 1 through 14, the scripture that was just read. That scripture is unbelievably foundational for our understanding of John's gospel. It's for the series that we have of changed lives. And it's critical for us to understand in our personal lives. And the question this morning is, what do we need to know that will help us understand this magnificent gospel? What do we need to know? What will be foundational that every day of our lives we can reflect on these foundational principles that will guide us in our spiritual journey? Some time ago, there was a movie called Crash. I don't know if you remember, that's a long time ago. And it chronicled the collision of people of different ethnic backgrounds in Los Angeles, showing how racism as well in our, is, is live in our contemporary context. In the onset of the movie, Detective Graham, who is an African-American, and his partner, a Latino, had just crashed into a Korean-American. Ward makes the following claim. 
It's the sense of touch. Any real city you walk, you know. You brush past people. People bump into you. But he says, in L.A., nobody touches you. We Our life is behind metal and glass. And I think we miss their touch so much that we crash into each other so much so we can feel something. We long, don't we, folks, for a sense of touch. We often crash into one another. Those of us who are Christians often crash into non-Christians. No matter our faith, our commitments, we are prone to crash into others in a variety of ways. Being too hasty or rushed or abusive or insensitive to others. Fortunately, folks, this is the message for all of us. Fortunately, Jesus does not crash into us. He approaches us in His love and His grace as the Word of God and the living truth. He reveals to us the Word made flesh. Jesus comes alongside us and touches us with His gracious truth and His holy love. And I think that is so central to the Gospel of John. It's so central for understand the touch of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And again this morning, as we begin this series, what's foundational this morning, what do we need to know in our spiritual journey? Well, first of all, in this passage that was just read, we need to know that Jesus is truly God. That is absolutely magnificent as we look at the Scripture. In the beginning, listen carefully, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. It is critical for us to understand that He is truly God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And by and through Jesus, the universe was created. It parallels so tightly with the recorded message of creation in Genesis chapter 1. The Word was God. John makes it very clear in the onset of his gospel to understand all the encounters that people have with Jesus, to realize that the encounters they had with one who is truly God. The concept of the word, or logos, was very significant in the ancient world. Scholars believe that the concept of the word has Greek origins in, in the Stoics or in Plato's teachings or in the teaching of the Hellenistic Jews like Philo. Jesus and John would have been aware of these teachings. However, most likely the concept here of the word really comes from the Old Testament. And as we think about the Old Testament, the word is very, very significant. In creation, it was spoke, the creation was spoken by God into being. All we have is a revelation of God spoken throughout the Old Testament. We have the deliverance and salvation that was delivered and spoken by God. Or even the word was personified as wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8. In Genesis, the eternal word brought forth into being his creation by the powerful spoken word of Jesus himself. His creative word is life-giving, bringing all things into life. Can you imagine? I want to visit Rome someday. That's one of the ones that's on my bucket list, a place I want to go that I haven't been. And by the way, there's places you need to go. Do it when you're young. It gets more difficult when you get older to travel. But you go to places, and in a week we'll be going to Israel and Jordan with a group of people, and for some of those, many of those folks, this was on their bucket list. They wanted to go to Israel. They're a very, very special place, and I am very much looking forward to, to that trip. But I want to visit Rome. Particularly, I want to see the Sistine Chapel, the famous painting of Michelangelo, where God has just created Adam, is reaching out to touch him. 
God is the one who has made the first contact. Adam wouldn't be in the picture and the rest of humanity if God did not create us. We did not first touch God. God first reached out and touched us. We need to know, folks, it's so foundational that Jesus is fully God. It was intimately involved in the creative process of the universe. No impersonal time plus space plus chance brought it into being. It was intentional and purposeful creation. And Jesus has the power to create and the power to continue to create. And folks, as you think about it, the implications go all over the place. And as you think about it this week, as you dwell on the message and as we contemplate what change we might to make in our lives, we need to first be foundational in the idea that truly Jesus is God and creator. And he came to show us the true character of God. And it's unbelievably amazing. Unbelievably amazing. And John starts his gospel out with this affirmation. He also wants us to understand most profoundly that Jesus came to live with us. Isn't that amazing that that God himself came to live with us? Listen to the verses that were read earlier. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him, he came to his own, but they did not receive him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John wants us to understand as this whole book unfolds, he wants us to understand that Jesus came to live with us, truly with us. The one who is the light gives light to the world. He came into the world and was not received. He became flesh and dwelt among us. As Eugene Peterson said, the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Light and darkness are a theme throughout the writings of John. There is a strong polarity between light and darkness in this great gospel. In Matthew, the darkness is seen in the past as he reflects on the experiences of the Old Testament. And then in the dawning of Christ is where light appears and it dawns and the imagery he uses in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus, who is God, made his appearance among us. He showed up in the flesh And this was so problematic for the early church because of their way of thinking, to think that even the God of the universe, this distant God, this great God, could even show up in our neighborhood was so unbelievable to them. But it was true. He came truly in the flesh. He made genuine contact with us. And he brings light to us. However, connecting to our fear and vulnerability and losing control of love of the darkness. We live in spiritual darkness and at times self-delusion. As a result, we cannot tolerate real love when it touches our hearts. He came unto us with real and genuine love. He came to show us what? The true nature of God, the Father. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We must rehearse the story of Jesus over and over and over again in our lives, genuinely studying his actions, his teachings, what he emphasizes his very being. He came to show up so that we could understand the nature of the Father. The implications are staggering. Do you want to know what God is like? Do we want to know what the eternal God is like? The Son showed up into this world, entered into our human experiences. He's sympathetic with all the circumstances that you face in life. He knows what you face. And the implications that he came to live with us is staggering. But folks, he came with a purpose. In John, he wanted to understand he came to restore fallen people. 
Those who receive him believe in his name. He gives the right to become children of God. Children of God who are born of God. It was God's divine decision. There's something magnificent about new birth, isn't there? It's magnificent. It's marvelous. Marvelous. It's marvelous what God does as he forms a person in the womb. I saw the picture of my 12-week-old grandson, those pictures you see now that are so clear, not those fuzzy ones of time past. When I saw that picture of my 12-week-old grandson, I just started crying. I couldn't believe in 12 weeks what you could see about a person being formed in the womb. To think of aborting them breaks my heart. At the same time, it makes me very angry. I can remember the days when the eight days passed and my dad would uh, bring my mom to the hospital about time to give birth. And he wasn't able to go into the birthing rooms. They didn't have such a thing. In fact, they were lined up in the hallway. My mom was on a bed lined up in a hallway to give birth. I couldn't believe it. But my dad, he would pace down the hall, up and down the hall, up and down the hall, waiting for the next child to be born. It was the sixth one. It was my brother Joel. That was six boys. The sixth one, my dad just broke out crying. The seventh happened to be a girl. And then the caboose, there was another boy that came at the end. But it was amazing to see the birth. It was amazing to be there when my children were born. I just can't believe how significant that was. The miracle of birth. I was there when my daughters were born. And it's a delight for me to see my daughters growing up into such fine women and giving birth to my precious grandchildren. We weren't able to be near where my Kayla was born. Kayla gave birth to Lola because they had sickness in the, in the ward, so we couldn't be there. But I remember looking in the wintertime and looking through the window and holding up that precious child. Giving birth is, some, is amazing. It's magnificent. Not just giving birth is not so magnificent, but the child being born is magnificent. It's a painful process, and raising children takes a lot of humble love and patience. But the God of the universe planted also a birth, and it's supernatural birth. He uses ultimate foresight. God does not make mistakes or accidents, and God doesn't abort or reject us because we have defects. All that is required of us is to trust in and accept his acceptance of us. Easter is about transformational power. Easter is about new birth. Easter is about restoring fallen people. And he came with a purpose, and the implications are staggering. Think of your life, the new birth that you experienced in Christ. And John wants us to understand as all these individual encounters of people all throughout his gospel, they're encountering the living Christ, the one who brings new life and restores them as fallen people. And again, this change is unbelievable and the journey that we're on. Finally, John wants to understand that, that Jesus really changes us. Jesus is about transformation in our lives, not just first coming to Christ, but our whole life. The Word became flesh, dwelled among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of His only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We have seen His glory. Shekinah glory of the Old Testament, the tabernacle, now tabernacles in His body that is full of grace and truth. As Jesus comes close, He touches us in ways that nobody else can. He transforms us from the inside out for all eternity. This transformation occurs when we realize his powerful grace and live out that reality of his truth. 
And I'm so glad that grace and truth and John's gospel are coupled together all the way throughout it. The power of transforming grace. God's goodness he extends to us undeserved. But then he also wants us to live out in that grace through living out the truth. And the truth is all throughout this book that Jesus teaches us. Folks, we're on a journey. That journey is a process of change. Change that never ends. The continual process of change. And I believe what God gives us, the greatest gift he gives to us, is the journey. But not just the journey, but the fact that he will journey together with us. That is the greatest gift I think God gives us. He wants to partner with us and journey with us through our lives as we move on to eternity. So folks, what are we going to expect this Lenten journey? We've just begun. Remember these points, although. Remember these, these truths. They will be foundational to understand the rest of the book. This Lenten season, we will journey to Easter and celebrate transformational stories. Jesus walks down the road through Judea. He encounters real people, real needs, real problems, real heartaches, real challenges. Some look for healing, others forgiveness, others are just simply looking for purpose and hope. This transformational stories all begin with our encounter with Jesus, our encounter with him. I encourage you to take out the card this morning. What change might you be invited to this card on the back side? What change might you be invited to make in your life knowing that Jesus is with you? It'd be, it'd be sad if we went through this, this series on transformational change and, and we just waltzed through it without any change in our lives. And what change might be you invited to make in your life knowing that Jesus is with you? I encourage you, we'll take a moment. I'll first go to the chair. And, and as you think about that, think about the change in your life. This is really a comfortable chair. During the week, you can kind of slip into it if you want. But, but if you're during a service, you've got to share how you're changed. There's two things I want to talk to you about in terms of my life when it comes to what Christ has done in my life and change. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, since age 13. So that's a long, long time. At this stage in my life, I just don't see that, I, ha- I don't see that there's radical change that occurs or major issues of change. A lot of that has come along the journey of my life. But what happens, I think, at this stage of my life and my spiritual journey is there's a lot of the subtleties that God is working in my life. And the subtleties are the refinement that he's trying to make to refine my character for who I am. And Sometimes, you know, you, you, we journey through life and we journey through our experiences and we say, I, I just, it doesn't seem to me like I'm making much progress. I'm just trying to tread in water. But if you look back over time, you can see that God has been at work in your life. One of, some areas, one of the areas is, is that he's working on, and I see change over time, is, is I'm a little more careful with what I say and how I say it. Um, when, that I seasoned with grace, as the scripture talks about. And less biting, less critical, but more in, of a source of encouragement to others. And I think over time, this has been a tough area, but I think over time, I think God is working in my life and he's changing me to be more wise, to be more prudent, to be more careful in what I say. That's a big area. I think that's one of the most difficult areas as we went through the book of, of James, how we can control our tongue. And so I think over time, I'm making progress, and for that I'm thankful. Um, I'm going to be retiring soon. And 
I see the Jesus encouraging me to not ever be in a position where we settle in. It's easy sometimes as Christians to, as we move towards these stages of life, to think that somehow we're just going to settle in. And I find Jesus confronting me and encouraging me to realize that life is about ongoing change till the day we're, we're gone from this planet, this earth. And so he's, he's motivating me and encouraging me to keep going, to keep going to serve him faithfully in my life. Another thing that's very, very significant on a different vein. Um, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And I say that before I say what I'm going to say. I have five generations, five generations in my life of people who have sought to follow Jesus. Five consecutive generations. And my grandfather who came from the old country and he came and we came here, he was, he was, he was transformed dramatically by an encounter with Christ. And as a result, he influenced my mom and my dad, my dad particularly, and my mom, as they came together and said, my mom's background was a horrible background. They said, we are, by God's grace, going to make a difference in the lives of our kids. And so they poured their life, and they poured their life spiritually into our lives and all of our eight kids, eight of us. And I was influenced by that profoundly. I didn't always like the, the legalism of growing up, but I have no ax to grind because what they were concerned about was the spiritual well-being of their kids. And as a result, it's impacted my life. And that gave us an opportunity to impact our two daughters who are wonderful, wonderful people. And they have chosen to follow Christ faithfully. And as a result, they are impacting my six grandchildren. We just came back from being with our, our grandchildren and our, my daughters, and one of them, our daughter, came back with our grandchildren. And it just warms my heart to see them take a deep concern about the spiritual interest of my grandchildren. And I want to say to you, it's been over five generations, five generations that Jesus Christ has impacted to make a difference. And that is magnificent. That's miraculous work of Jesus. And I say rejoice with those who rejoice because I want you to rejoice with me. But I also recognize that's not the story of many of you, so there's where I weep with you because you don't have those generational connections. But I am unbelievably grateful for what God has done through my continued of five generations of my family. That's my, I'm changed. 